If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi and welcome. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Samantha. I have a, um, actually just turned eight on Sunday, daughter Ella. Happy birthday. Um, Thank you. Um, And she was diagnosed uh, with type one approximately two months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just kind of walking through the beginning of all of this. Yes. What can we help think through together? Okay. So I, um, as you know, have two questions. One kind of leads into the other. Um, Just for background, I'm a pediatric ER nurse. I've been doing that for nine years. Um, so I'm used to a lot of like the medical things. I take care of type one kiddos all the time. Like that is not foreign to me. Um, so at first when she was diagnosed, I was like, Oh, I got this. Guess what? 24 hours in, I don't got this. (laughs) (laughs) It's so humbling, right? I've I've had lots of medical professionals notice how much harder it is for them than they imagine it would be. Yeah. Um, because I quickly realized that I can deal with sick diabetes very well. Um, the day-to-day management was like, I feel like somebody opened a door to a whole room I never knew existed. (laughs) And, um, Mm -hmm. so we've just been learning all of that. I have a new appreciation for parents and how much of like experts they are in their child's care that Mm. I don't think that, I mean, I, I feel like I recognize that before, but I just recognize it on a different level now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. what what they do day to day and how much their knowledge of the care of their child is that much more important when I take care of them in a crisis situation. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the background. Um, the reason I reached out to you was because um, Ella initially, so the first couple days home, um, we caught it pretty early. Uh, so she didn't actually have a hospitalization. Um, we went home and went to follow it up the next day. Um, and for me to kind of feel control in that situation, I was like, okay, I'm going to do your shots. Like no big deal. She was off the bat, good about checking her own blood sugar. Um, no problems. Um, and then probably like four or five days in, she was like, you know what, mom, I'm going to try and give my own shot. And I was like, sure, that's great. Um, so she was doing that consistently. And, um, my, I work evening shift. Um, so my husband gives her Lantus. And um, he forgot to mention to me that she had an evening where the Lantus burned. Um, it was very painful for her. And then it just made her very fearful of all of her shots. Um, so I was home for her shot two nights later and um, she just had a meltdown. And I was like, what's happening? This this was no big deal two days ago. Um, and he was like, oh, I forgot to mention. Um, she just had a bad experience. And I was like, okay. So like I had mentioned to you, I'm good at walking kids and their families through a crisis situation. Like you're here today. We need to do this today. It's important for you all. Um, we do a good job of, um, age specific developmentally appropriate kind of guiding through those things, um, tests and procedures and whatnot. 
Um, so I was like, okay, um, I got this. She's seven. Um, you know what, Ella, we, we have to do this. That's, that's not a choice. Um, so you could choose which arm you would like it to go in. Um, tried to lay out choices. Um, but with the, within the parameters of this is going to happen. Um, and I mean, it was like 45 minutes and I'm sure as you know, if you give three minutes of back and forth on what we're going to do, it's, you're, you're never going to circle back to them doing it by themselves, right? Because the fear just builds and the anxiety builds. So it took like 45 minutes to give her her shot. And I was like thinking, and then she was like, oh, that didn't hurt so bad. So I was thinking, okay, we've moved on. Tomorrow will be different. Well, it just spiraled and it was every day we were having um, full meltdowns back and forth. And I, some things have changed since I reached out to you. Um, she initially I was like, what my question to you was, what do I do? Do I say like, you will do this, um, yourself because you can, um, or do I just do it for her with the knowledge that she's not going to be 16 years old asking her parents to give her shots. Now, likely, I don't want to say that as there are not 16 year olds that don't require that help. Um, but that was my thought when I reached out to you. And then I was daily since reaching out kind of like, let's take it to the basics. Like what, promotes independence is dependence and feeling supported. So um, I, a couple days later had said, you know what, Ella, you seem like you need a little extra support from me and your dad right now. So why don't we give your shots? And without a timeline on that. And she was like, oh, like she just visibly was like, oh, thank you. You know? And so we just did it. And um, she has, taken a couple steps forward with like, initially it was like, well, why don't I put my hand over your hand? Like she offered that, um, over the pen. Um, and now she's progressed to, she holds the pen and we just have to have our hand on top of her hand. Um, and some days are better than others. Some days she'll want us to actually do it. Um, but she'll kind of like push back on the pen. Like she's not ready. Um, but I would say major strides in the right direction. Um, so I was curious to your perspective and thoughts on, that approach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you for laying that out so clearly. And I'm glad to hear that things have gotten a little easier for you. Um, and I love what you said. You said, what promotes independence is dependence. That is beautiful. I've never heard that phrase before. And I'm imagining you use that as a nurse mm -hmm. sometimes, right? And you have such a robust um, understanding of what illness is and how to help children manage it, that your daughter is so lucky. What I would say is there is zero rush, right? Like mm -hmm. I do not see, yes, are there exceptions to this? Yes, of course, and I've seen these cases too. But overall, your child, your Ella is gonna be able to do this. You're gonna help her step by step by step get to independence. There is absolutely no reason she needs to be able to give her own shots at seven or eight. I guess she's now eight. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are a lot of kids at eight who can do absolutely nothing for themselves. And that is mm -hmm. completely fine. Mm -hmm. I would follow her lead. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she is um, experimenting with doing some of these things on her own. Mm -hmm. And that's great that she wants that independence. That's exactly what you want to see is a child mm -hmm. who is reaching for that. But that doesn't mean she's always going to be heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely going to be times where she's going to want you to do it. And when times when she's going to actually need you to do it. Mm 
And so you need to be super attuned. And I'm talking about over the the decade and change that you've got her at home with you. Mm -hmm. You need to be attuned to that. So there have my, I'll give you an example. My daughter, unlike my son. So my son is now 24 diagnosed at nine. My daughter is 15 diagnosed at four. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter grew up from the time she was old enough to be aware her brother had type one. She literally used to poke crowns into her belly right? Yeah. Um, so she was super independent, much younger than he was. So mm-hmm. she was changing her own pump. Oh, and wow. I noticed that, you know, at a younger age, not at seven or eight, certainly, but at a younger age than he ever did. And I noticed at some point that when her pump ran out of insulin, she'd suddenly be moving to shots, which was actually a really ineffective way of her managing her blood sugars. And it took me a minute to realize like, she doesn't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't like it. And so now at 15, I've taken that back, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think your daughter is giving you really clear signals that you are queuing into beautifully, but I wouldn't worry about okay. like, she needs to be independent. She does not. She's mm-hmm. going to be a whole dance up and down and up and down. And it's going to move in the correct direction. I can see that already because she's asking to move in a direction of being independent sometimes. Okay. Right. How does that land for you? Um, that's helpful because I had said that to my husband in the beginning of this, like when she had started giving her shots herself, I said, I just want you to know that it's not always going to be like this. And it's so funny that I said that to him, like knowing that this is going to be on a continuum of differences. Um, but then it's, I feel like it's very different, um, to have the knowledge of what will happen and then to know what to do when it does Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. And that was where like my wall was. I was like, well, now we're here. (laughs) I don't know what to do. So, um, it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you did know what to do. It just took you a second, right? Like (laughs) give yourself some credit. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I want to, um, suggest to you is that Lantus can burn Mm -hmm. and there are other insulins that are options that don't burn. So okay. I would, I would, this happened for my son and we switched to Levomir, which required huh. two shots a day yep. because Levomir has a shorter acting time, but it didn't burn. And okay. I feel like taking their pain as seriously as we can is important. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to cause them pain. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable with diabetes, but it, when we can make a change to do mm-hmm. it, right. Because we yeah. can't help but giving shots. We can't help but inserting pumps and CGMs and whatever technology you might move to, mm-hmm. but taking the pain seriously when you can make a change is important. That's helpful to know because, well, I have given plenty of insulin to people. I don't take it myself. So um, I had no idea that it burned until she said, mm-hmm. oh, that really burns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, there are other insulins that burn too. Like my daughter okay. just tried a new insulin that I thought would be faster acting and better for her. And she really just didn't like the way it felt in her body. Oh, gotcha. So we backed off of it. So gotcha. something to explore with your endo. Thank you. Right. Um, and then my second question came out of this problem, which has thankfully um, actually kind of subsided since we got the fear of the shots more controlled than it was. Um, so she, I kind of went into panic mode, um, because she, I've been following, um, I shouldn't say I've been following. I have been learning about Dr. Bernstein's method, um, of control. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Um, but he takes a low carb approach. He's a type one diabetic himself. He's an endocrinologist. Um, I am not, not endorsing it for everybody. I'm just saying it's something that we found and wanted to explore. And, and she's currently in her honeymoon phase and it's been helpful. Um, so our whole family has kind of 
just kind of changed the way we do things and it's been pretty seamless. Um, nobody's had complaints about the way we're eating. Um, however, she very quickly, as children do, picked up on uh, the fact that if she was not eating enough carbs, she didn't get a Novolog shot. And she, it was like maybe three days into this fear of her insulin. Um, I had, I was making dinner and I think I had um, bought like low carb rolls or something for hamburgers. And I said, Hey, you want to make the rolls out for me? And she goes, you know what, mommy, I actually, um, I'm just not going to eat a roll. And I was like, that's a red flag to me because she loves food and I don't care who you are. Everybody wants a roll with their hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was like, well, that's just not, but when she said that I got very tense, like my whole body. And I just had this very like fearful reaction to it. And I even like kind of stepped back and I was like, wow, that was really intense. Like I didn't respond to her really. I just kind of was like, felt that. And I was like, oh, and I said, okay. And then I was like, wow, I was just trying to think like, why did I react that way? Like so physically. And I thought, ah, here it is. My mom um, was a restrictive anorexic my whole childhood. And that was it's funny what you don't know isn't normal until you grow up and move on and you're like, oh, other people don't live this way. <laughs> not everybody eats dinner talking about, I can't believe I just ate that. Like not everybody feels guilty when they eat a blueberry muffin. Like it was a learning process for me when I moved out. Um, and I very, just a lot of like negative self-talk. And that was something I was very pointed about um, and have been with both of my children. I I married, I don't know if everybody will get this, um, but do you know the show, The Waltons? Yeah. Okay. I married into the Walton, like a Walton family. (laughs) They eat dinner together every Sunday. They eat every meal, like dinners together. Um, When I met my husband in high school, like, and I remember going to the house and everybody's sitting down at the table and there's this whole meal and nobody talked about anything about the food they were eating. It was just like a joyous occasion that everybody was together and nobody was on a phone. And it, it's so funny to me, but I was so, I felt like I was on another planet. I was mm-hmm. like, what is this? <laughs> like, I thought they were weird. And <laughs> um, then I realized like slowly that not everybody lives that way. Um, so anyhow, I have just made it a very important part of my parenting that we don't talk about food the way that I grew up talking about food. So when she said that, I, it just, I was like fearful because I've spent 14 years since I moved out of home, like trying to undo behaviors and thoughts and all of that. And then she did that. And I panicked because I'm like, I put so much time and effort into this. And now with like one problem, it's gone. Mm-hmm. So, um, And I did, I did have to laugh at the fact that like, I've put so much time and effort into that. And then, you know, I thought, boy, God's funny. Now my whole life revolves around food with diabetes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, anyhow, that was, I, while she was doing that, I just, um, my response to her, the next meal that she did it was, um, Ella, you, you know, you do, you do have diabetes and this is going to be your life and you do have to take shots. So changing what you eat is never going to change that you need insulin. And she was like, I know, but like she was thinking about it. I could see her wheels turning. Um, and then I just kind of didn't make an issue out of it. Um, I don't, I don't know whether I should have or not. Um, so I guess I, in that context of like my fears about food and obsessions with food, 
I don't know how to respond to her mm-hmm. when she does things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't know if you had advice about that. Yeah, I can see this is a big one, right? And it brings up a lot. And um, I'm wondering, Samantha, are you planning to put her on a pump? She actually has said that she is not interested in a pump. She doesn't want anything but her CGM on her. And she's even said at times, like, I don't really like the sticker on my arm all the time. So as of right now, um, I guess she wouldn't be eligible until like six months out from diagnosis, no matter what. Um, But at, at this point, we're not really considering it. Okay. Let me give you a few thoughts just about that piece, even though that's not what you're asking about. And then I'm going to back up to the food part. Okay. So this actually, the exact same thing happened with my son, although much, it took him much longer because, um, he just didn't want a shot for snack, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't eat a snack then like he'd figure out how to avoid eating certain Mm -hmm. meals so that he didn't have to have another shot. He also didn't want to be on a pump. And at some point, because of those behaviors, I decided he needed to be on a pump. Okay. So while I think, and this is, this is a parenting decision. Like I'm only Mm -hmm. sharing with you both my personal and professional, like expertise and opinion, Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes with diabetes, our children don't get to choose. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard thing for most of us to overcome. Like it took me a really long time to understand that he needed me to make a different choice for him than he was making for himself, especially because it involves something on his body. Yeah. Right? We have a particular feeling about that. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is if she keeps engaging in this behavior, mm-hmm. a pump might help. Mm-hmm. That's something for you to track and decide. Like mm-hmm. at what point, if it continues, do you override her because she okay. is only eight and you mm-hmm. get to decide right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a very hard thing, but I really think that as parents, it's important for us. Sometimes we know more than they know often, Mm -hmm. always almost, (laughs) right? We know more than they know and they can't step into um, a choice that they don't understand as well as we do sometimes. So it's just, it's just a, a consideration you should have in the back of your head. That's very helpful. I had not even considered that, honestly, but mm-hmm. that's that does make a lot of sense. So getting back to the food, the first thing I'm going to recommend is that you go onto my website and download and, uh, you know, uh, get the Sweet Talk Snack course. Okay. So it's a free um, offering that I have where I talk about the relationship to food and eating when you have mm-hmm. a kid with type 1. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type one, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid and having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at diabetessweettalk.com. In summary, one of the things that I am concerned about, so I have a totally different perspective than Dr. Bernstein, who I don't know who he is. So, you know, obviously every parent gets to decide. 
Mm-hmm. My perspective comes from my training in eating disorders, actually. Type 1 has a very much higher incidence of eating disorders than general population. And the reason for that, I think, will be kind of obvious to you, having lived with something like as severe as your mom was your whole life. And it's because eating disorders actually don't have to do with whether your thighs are fat or whether you want to be thinner. Mm-hmm. Eating disorders are essentially defined by how much time a person spends thinking about eating food, shape, and weight. And with diabetes, we inevitably, and you, you said this, right, we inevitably have to spend a lot of time thinking about food and eating. Mm -hmm. So it increases the susceptibility to eating disorder behavior, because we're putting something into the system that isn't really meant to be there psychically Mm -hmm. for us. So I think as parents, our responsibility, and again, this is my perspective, Dr. Bernstein has a different perspective. I also think Dr. Bernstein is an adult, mm-hmm. right? I think there's a very big difference between adult management and child management. Mm-hmm. Because it's not to say that adults aren't susceptible to eating disorders. They can be, like you can have adult onset, but I really think it's very different for adults. Mm-hmm. For children, I think doing restriction is a bit of a setup for strange relationships. I'm not going to go all the way to eating disorders, but disordered relationships to food and eating. Mm -hmm. So we want to actually keep things as normal as possible Mm -hmm. in eating. And I think that, um, that the instinct, and I see it with a lot of new families is that we want numbers to be good and in Mm -hmm. control. (laughs) And that becomes our number one priority. Mm -hmm. Um, because we feel like I've got this, I can do this. I can keep her in range all the time. Mm -hmm. What I will tell you is that's not real. You can't keep her in range all the time. I know there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. There are other podcasts. There are people saying it's possible. I really don't think it's possible. Mm -hmm. And this is a marathon, not a sprint. So the goal Mm -hmm. is to keep her healthy, Mm -hmm. right? Which does mean she will be out of range sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if she eats things like pizza, the goal is to figure out how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be out of range a bunch with pizza and then you're going to figure it out like and it's complicated. Right. Mm -hmm. So it could be that eating pizza at lunch is different than eating pizza at dinner. Like it's not fun, Mm -hmm. not a fun problem to work out. But overall, my approach is that we should create as much normalcy as possible, Mm -hmm. not not taking our eye off of the numbers. Like I would never suggest that. Mm -hmm. But recognizing that the goal is with diabetes is to have diabetes well enough managed so that our children get to live normal lives, not that diabetes should be the focus of their life. Mm -hmm. When food gets shifted radically, diabetes then is taking over a whole very joyous part of our lives, as you know, Mm -hmm. from being married to the Waltons, (laughs) right? Yeah. So, so I think, um, So that doesn't exactly answer your question. Those are all background pieces. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is I do think your approach is reasonable to note to her that she's not going to be able to avoid the shot Mm -hmm. and to maybe sort of insist like in our Mm -hmm. family, because of my eating disorder training, my daughter could rattle off to you protein, fat, and carb at every meal, Mm -hmm. right? So she knows what she's supposed to do. That doesn't mean she always makes those choices at 15, mm-hmm. but for your daughter at eight to sort of say, it's not a complete meal unless mm-hmm. you have some carbs there, because it's true. She yeah. needs them, right? Mm-hmm. She's growing and developing. Yeah. So I think something in there that's gentle, that just keeps encouraging her eating them with a lot of empathy for mm-hmm. the shot and that the shot feels scary and painful and that you know that. Mm-hmm. And like, of course it's hard for you. And how do we do it? So it's easier. 
right? So working in whatever it is that makes it easier. And I, I, this is where I actually don't hold hard lines. If it's easier for her to watch a five minute cute YouTube video, every time Mm -hmm. you give her a shot, then do that. Yeah. Right. Um, But I would be normalizing the shots Mm -hmm. exactly the way that you're talking about. There was one doctor who once said, you want your children to be um, willing to do a finger stick anytime you ask. That's a lot, right? Um, So they have to be adjusted to getting these shots. And so you want to try to minimize the stress and you already have, right? You've taken back the responsibility. So she feels a little less stressed, whatever distraction I find, I found with a bunch of clients that humming helps, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever little rituals you build that help her calm. Mm -hmm. There's a, um, a GIF. I don't think I have this on my website anymore, but I used to do a meditation Um, and I can find it and email it to you where, you know, it just is like a breathing thing. Like it's, you know, you could find one, I'm sure on the internet of something she watches until it's over or you count together or whatever it is that you find that works to quiet that. But Mm -hmm. I would not let her start restricting. Okay. I'd very gently be saying, yeah, that makes sense that you want to not get that shot. I totally get it. But everybody needs to have some like carbs with their dinner. That's Mm -hmm. what keeps for a healthy body. So not making it a giant deal, just making it actual. Yeah. Just, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does that that land? Yeah. Um, Good. I think that that's a good perspective. I'm always open to new ideas about food and what to do. And you're obviously experienced with your own children um, and your background um, with how to approach the food aspect. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's, that has been one thing since the beginning of this, that's been very helpful to me is hearing and knowing from other people that, um, mm-hmm. you're not going to get it right a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, because it is hard. You take it like almost personally when they go out of range, like, like I fed you and we gave you insulin and you're still going high. So that's, that is helpful. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think especially at the beginning, Samantha, we do take it personally when they go out of range because we're trying so hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing is that I think I read or heard recently that there are like 40 plus different variables that affect insulin absorption and, um, or, you know, the way the body needs insulin. And so we, we are not our bodies, our bodies are so smart, right. And we just can't do that. And so it's sort of inevitable that they're going to not be in range. And so how we handle that, how we have like a levelness around that, mm-hmm. it also helps them have a positive relationship to their out of range numbers mm-hmm. because they're going to have them too, yeah. right. When they start managing, they're definitely going to have them. And we want them to know that it's okay, that they mm-hmm. can just course correct. Mm -hmm. right? That they don't have to beat themselves up for it. So it's modeling that as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. I'm really delighted to have met you and to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate all you're doing. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. 
To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.